The reading this morning is from the book of Acts, chapter 10, starting at verse 1. This is taken from the New Living Translation. Cornelius calls for Peter. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming towards him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? he asked the angel. And the angel replied, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He's staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was very perplexed. What could this vision mean? Just then, the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, Three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. So Peter went down and said, I am the man you are looking for. Why have you come? They said, we were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He is a devout and God-fearing man, well respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that he can hear your message. So Peter invited the men to stay for the night. The next day he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. They arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, Stand up, I'm a human being just like you. So they talked together and went inside, where many others were assembled. Peter told them, You know it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me why you sent for me. Cornelius replied, Four days ago I was praying in my house about this same time, three o'clock in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in dazzling clothes was standing in front of me. He told me, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. Now send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying in the home of Simon, 
a tanner who lives near the seashore. So I sent for you at once, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here, waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given you. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favouritism. In every nation he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptised now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. Thank you very much. Thank you, Isaac. Well, let's just pray, shall we, as um, we just unpack some of that story. Quite a long one. Thank you for listening well. Um, But as we look at this series of looking at the book of Acts... And as Graham said, today we're looking at what it looks like to move from hesitance to wholeheartedness under our umbrella theme, as you'll know, looking at the whole of the book of Acts um, and looking at simple courage in challenging times. So let's just pray, shall we, as we just seek the Lord together this morning. Father God, we just thank you so much for the words of Um, Those that we've just read in the book of Acts, Lord, for the people, for the characters, Lord, we thank you that when we bring our hearts to really delve into your word, we see that the words jump off a page or a screen, and we just want, Holy Spirit, we ask you today, just as we look at this story, you look at these characters, we look at what happened, Jesus, would you reveal something more of yourself to us? Lord, you know what we've come with this morning, the busyness of a week or a weekend, we just pray, Holy Spirit, would you give us your peace now and give us ears and minds and hearts that are open to what you would have to say to us this morning. In your name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Jacob. Well, I enjoyed reading this passage um, over the last week or so and delving into, as I said, as I just prayed there, isn't it amazing sometimes when we do stop and pause to actually look at some of these passages, many of which we may not have either heard before or we might not have read for a long time, but actually when we do Um, lean into the truth of God's word there is always something that God has got to say to us and the characters that come to life don't they when we actually take the time to look into what it is that God was doing in their lives and what he might be saying to us as well this morning I wanted to start with this on the first slide the big shift I don't know about you but I wonder whether there has been a time in your life that you can recall where you've suddenly had to overturn, rethink, or shift what your plans were. For example, have you ever been planning a party, a wedding, an event, where suddenly the forecast, as we know at the moment, not too great, the forecast has changed, rain or snow is on the agenda, and suddenly you've had to come up with a plan B? I wonder whether you've suddenly had an event, just like yesterday, poor Isaac actually, was due to go for a friend's birthday party, go-karting. And of course it was cancelled because of the rain and his poor parents had to suddenly shift and think how they could actually overturn their plans so that their poor son was not completely disappointed that his birthday had been somewhat ruined. 
I know for myself, as I thought about this, I thought a shift. I remember going back when I used to work for Youth for Christ for many years, and um, through one of the directors that I was working alongside at the time, we were on a set trajectory for a piece of work that was a piece of mission equipping the Youth for Christ centres around the country. And this had been birthed out of an amazingly strong prophetic dream um, that had come from this um, director, John, that I was working with. And so we spent about 10 months ploughing into all the ins and outs and the working of this vision and this plan and this equipping. And what was quite difficult was that all of a sudden the plan changed. He seemed to shift and think that actually that wasn't the right plan and we had to about turn and do something else. Which takes a bit of agility, doesn't it, to do just that. And maybe you can think of things in your own life where you've had to shift and twist and turn. Whether you like change or not, if you like change, sometimes that comes with an exhilarating sense of, yeah, let's do this. And certainly, as we know through COVID, for many of us of all different personality types and characters, that either was a sense of pioneering for some of the leaders that I work with in my work with the Evangelical Alliance. For some, it was a golden ticket to do things differently. When the churches were shut, there was lots of creativity and innovation. And for others, we just found it really hard, didn't we? Being at home, being in lockdown, plans in the diary going completely out of the window and you will know exactly where you found yourself during those difficult months and years of covid a shift as we see in this story um, demands a quick reset of our thinking going back to our challenge a fresh revelation maybe of how we see things and what we see in this story of acts 10 was that actually peter had to take quite a dramatic shift in his thinking didn't he We see there that actually um, what happens when Cornelius has had the vision and he has sent his men, he was the devout um, Roman Gentile, as we've heard, he sent his men to go and find this man called Peter. And at the same time, isn't it amazing that we're told it was at least 30 miles away whilst Cornelius had this vision of what God was saying to him. 30 miles down the road, actually Peter has a similar vision. And if you recall what happened... Well, bespoke to him was actually, he had this trance, didn't he, that was repeated three times. And in that, God brought about this shift in his vision. What you might remember is what happened in the trance. He was up on the rooftop at three in the afternoon, the ninth hour, which was customary time to go and pray. Not unusual, apparently, to seek out the rooftop rooftop space as that quiet space to go and actually have your time before God. And yet it tells us that he was hungry. Isn't that mean? Why does God choose to speak to us in the midst of having hunger pans? But maybe that is just a way of God drawing his attention. Um, But in the middle of that trance, if you recall, what happened was he sees, doesn't he, this white sheet come down from heaven. And in that, as you might recall from the verses that came up um, on the screen as well for you to read, was that um, laden into the sheet, there were all types of animals, birds and reptiles, we're told. And the voice from heaven said, Peter, go kill and eat what you see in front of you. As you might remember, what Peter's response is, no, Lord. Not the first time that Peter's actually said no to Jesus or to the voice of God, as you might know. But he says, no, Lord, why would I eat those things? He says, "Um, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. And so he thinks he's doing the right thing. Who knows, maybe he thought it was a test. And sometimes when we're trying to detect the voice of the Lord, sometimes we just have to really lean in, don't we, to discern actually what might be coming from us or what we think is the voice of God. And yet what God replies to him brings about a shift in his thinking because there's this line where Lord God says, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. 
What that requires of Peter in that moment, as you might imagine, is he's probably spent his whole life living a certain way, hasn't he? Um, Living by kosher foods, things that were unclean, that weren't supposed to be consumed by humans. He was a Jew, a devout Jew, and actually they didn't usually meet with the Gentiles, people like Cornelius, who was summoning to his house. But in that moment, what he hears from God is a voice that says, not only get up, eat what I've put in front of you, but there's a challenge for him to actually not call unclean, as he's been customary to, um, but that's something that God has made clean. I don't know what your reading of that is, but part of me feels quite sorry for Peter, because he's actually lived a certain way his whole life, hasn't he? He's lived by the law, he's a devout Jew, he's lived with, under the sovereignty of God that has brought him to a place of, of commitment of this is how I want to live my life and to live in the right way. And yet in that moment, with that trance and that picture that's put in front of him, not once but three times, what God clearly says to him is, do not call something unclean if I, the Lord your God, have made it clean. There's this sense of he has to shift his thinking. He has to change and unpick almost everything that he's known to do something different. It's not a test, but in, front, in that moment, God is actually saying, believe in me, the Lord your God, who is um, giving you a message here and that shift in thinking. What does this represent for us? Well, as I've read and and poured over this over the last week or so, my belief is this, is that what God was trying to show Peter in that moment was that a shift in his thinking was necessary, that he'd actually be limited, living the right way, maybe under God, but limiting where he was perceiving God's message to be just for the Jews living in a certain way. And what God was preparing him for was this open-mindedness that actually the message was indeed for everyone. God already knew, didn't he? Just leave that one one moment through. God already knew that Cornelius had sent some men who were in that moment on their way to Peter's house. And so he knew that what was necessary for Peter was a fresh revelation of God's heart, wasn't it, in that moment? So actually his instruction to to eat, to, um, to kill the birds, the reptiles, yes, it was a shift in what he'd known, but it was necessary that he was open-minded to see what God had changed. Where God calls Peter to is in that moment to be thinking about actually what you have perceived as the messaging for the Jews. This is also for the Gentiles. And I wonder how that feels or looks for us today. That actually the message that you know, you may have heard it for many years, the message that maybe those in your family have known or heard and either live by or have rooted deep in them, but as yet is not part of their lifestyle. But the challenge surely in this is for us to shift our own thinking. Who is this message of Jesus for? Who is the fresh revelation for? Well, the truth is, is that God was calling Peter to acknowledge that the truth of the gospel is for everyone, isn't it? From people of all backgrounds all ethnicities, all walks of life, all different perceptions of who God is. And so I wonder whether the challenge for us today is actually for us, as you're sitting there today thinking of maybe your neighbours, your family, the people that you work with, your friends, who might be the one or two people that actually God wants to provoke in you a shift in your thinking to think, that person, Lord, That's the person you're putting on my heart who needs your good news right now, this week, this month, this year. 
And God will certainly be whispering to you or to me about maybe who that one or two, three people are. The Talking Jesus research, as we've spoken about many times in this church, tells us that mostly the people who know us and know us as Christians, as practicing Christians, are usually our friend or our family member. They're people in close proximity to us. So I wonder who those people are who need to know that they are loved, that they are worthy. As I was thinking again just even earlier this morning and rereading that line, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean, a fresh thought that came to my mind just this morning was actually not just about this shift in the people, the different backdrops that people are around us, but actually are there people who we might look at and think they're unclean in the sense of because of what they've done, actually we don't, we're not in relationship with them. Or because of what they've done, we think that they wouldn't be open to actually what God's word is. Or because of what they've done, actually we don't wish to spend time with them. And I felt that there was just a call, maybe just for me, maybe for you as well, but that actually sometimes even if we struggle to forgive people or we struggle to move on from situations, God's love and his message is still true for them today as well. We see in this story, again, as we said, that Peter not only um, has to shift in his mindset, but isn't it interesting that God has to give him that message three times? Now, I don't know about you, maybe you can put your hands up um, for me, but has anyone, anyone had to ever look after toddlers? Whether you've worked with toddlers, Susan over there every day, well done you, worked with toddlers, been in a toddler group, Emily, numerous others, um, and yeah, many others there. Um, but also, dare I say, you can shut your ears, Jacob, have you ever had to deal with teenagers? <laughs> have you ever had to parent a teenager, be a youth leader, be a teacher? Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes, whether it's a toddler or a teenager, if you're anything like me in my household with both Jacob and Isaac, you have to say the same thing five, six, seven times before anything gets done. Are you with me? <laughs> there are a few people nodding. Sometimes it is downright frustrating, isn't it? And I'm sure, Susan, you face this every day with your little ones as well. But isn't it just a fresh revelation for me, maybe, as um, I hope also for you, that actually God is so kind, isn't he, that sometimes he knows that just sometimes, like when we're banging our head against the wall trying to get a teenager to come out of their headphones and off FIFA and come and actually have dinner that you've lovingly prepared for them, Jacob Heffer, <laughs> um, or whether it's little ones who just want to play and don't want to come and get dressed or do their teeth or whatever. But what, as I was thinking about this passage, what I was really struck by is the fact that actually sometimes God needs to labour his message to get through to us, doesn't he? And it really fascinated me on my first reading of this long passage. Um, and the first thing that struck me was this, that God had to repeat that uh, trance or the vision within the trance for Peter three times. And I found myself thinking, why was that? Why did he have to repeat the same vision three times, even in that one moment? And maybe Peter tried to get away, but something of God's spirit just captivated him. And he saw that vision again of the sheet and the animals and the birds and the reptiles. And it just made me smile almost to just think, isn't God kind? Isn't God gracious? That sometimes even when he's speaking to you or to me, we just don't always hear it, do we? There's sometimes that need for, again, for a fresh revelation and God will persist with us because we're busy. And that was my um, perception of that. We're busy. We're doing lots of good stuff. And sometimes we just don't always hear what God's got to say to us. 
And sometimes, as we know, as with Peter, he might give us a really visual, um, quite overt, quite direct sense of what he's saying. And other times it will be that simple, small voice in the calm. But it does demand, doesn't it, sometimes that we lean in and that we stop to listen. Otherwise, God will find a way, as he did with Peter on that rooftop, even when he was hungry, um, to share what his vision and his message was for Peter. It said that it was repeated three times, um, and eventually, um, even though Peter responded no, first of all, which might sometimes be like us, suddenly when we have a sense of what God might be saying to us, he then realised that actually God had a purpose and had a plan. So my challenge to, to you and to myself in the midst of that is actually, are we like Peter? Do we have a sense that actually even now, even over the last few months, maybe even since the start of the year, do you have a sense that God's trying to say something to you? Is there a small nagging voice for you, for me, that actually we have a sense of what God might be saying, but we're either not stopping to take the time to actually lean in and prayerfully chat with God, to listen, to press pause, whether that's to retreat, whether it's to read his word, whether it's to pray. I know I'm all too guilty of someone saying, I'll get round to that. I'll put something in the diary when I'll have that retreat moment. And sometimes it just doesn't always come, does it? But the surefire thing is, is that where God has a plan for your life, for my life, he will persist because he loves us and he wants the best for us. And he has a plan just as for Cornelius and his people, the Gentiles, just as with Peter and the people around him in his uh, Jewish community had a plan So my challenge for you and for myself is what challenges, what word, what voice keeps tugging at your heart, if anything? And if there isn't anything, fine, but maybe stop to pause and listen and ask what God wants to say to you today. Not only that, it might not be the messaging, which people does God keep putting in your path? Have you noticed? Maybe there's people at work that you keep meeting over coffee or at the photocopier. Or there's people in a coffee shop that you keep seeing. Or you're in Tesco's and there's a woman or a guy at the checkout who you just keep seeing. Is there somebody that actually there's just that momentary interaction that God might use you to speak truth into people's hearts and lives? We need to be open, don't we, to be receptive so that actually, um, sorry, Jacob, you could put that slide up, that actually we have this sense of revelation, that kind of, oh, moment of oh that's what you're saying to me god or oh that's the person that you want me to actually press pause and just spend a moment with because they need to just have that listening ear or to have something of your holy spirit and your love shared with them or oh that's what you want me to do in this season of my life and sometimes in the busyness we just don't hear it do we and maybe that's why god had to press pause with peter and have that trance come not once, not twice, but three times that he would um, receive the voice of God and the message which brought about that shift, but also this sense of revelation. Once he'd had that revelation, it was the challenge to Peter, wasn't it, as to what does he do with it? He had this sense of that God had blasted open that actually the message, the good news, was not just for him that he was to go against this sense of the message of the truth of God's word, not just being for the Jews, but who else was it for? Well, this way, on the next slide, Jacob, thank you. Then we have this sense of actually he was called in to communicate what that good news was. And little did he know that until a few minutes later, people were going to come to his door, that once he'd had the revelation, he was going to have to quite quickly put it into action. And so often we find that, don't we, that God gently maybe reveals something to us, Um, And then we have to put it into action. 
But communication is often tricky, isn't it? But I want you to just think, when you've had a bit of good news yourself, what do you do with it? Is it something that you hoard away and you simmer on? Well, sometimes we have to keep secrets, don't we? Like, I remember how painful it was finding out that I was pregnant and waiting for those 12 weeks until the scan and not being able to tell anyone. Certainly when I was pregnant with Jacob, it didn't seem like it was a revelation to everyone, um, or anyone, rather, because people seemed to have guessed. And I remember my big piece of news in telling most people was like, yep, we were waiting for you to tell us. (laughs) So that burst my bubble a little bit. But when we have good news to tell whether it's about um, a revelation of something, a new message, a new grandchild, it might be a new job, it's a new transition, something that we've decided to do and now we can tell people about it, whether that's a big piece of news or something just important to us, then usually it's something that we need to spill out at some point, don't we? And when it's that good, we will tell anyone that will listen normally. I know living in a household, as you know, dominated by football, if there is a good news on the football scores, then usually most people know about it um, within minutes. And uh, when it's the other way, usually uh, the, the, the world knows about it by Darren pacing the streets to work off the sulk if, uh, <laughs> um, if it's not good news. But in Acts 10, we hear that not only did Cornelius have good news, we see right at the beginning of our story here, don't we, that Cornelius had the vision, he had a sense of good news that was coming. He wasn't quite sure what the message was, but he had this sense that God had revealed something to him that he needed to send for this guy called Peter, because Peter was the carrier of good news. And I do wonder that even as we look at that, sometimes people that know us and they see us, and believe me, as we know, people who are not Christians, they do watch us, don't they? They watch how we respond to things, whether it's grief or a trauma or challenge, whether it's joy or, um, or something tricky like going through COVID. We should all be aware that people watch us as Christians because they're fascinated to see how life and faith interact in the midst of challenge. And what Cornelius had was a sense of that God wanted to give them a message, the Gentile people, and the carrier was Peter. So Peter steps out in faith as these men come to his door, and they're not the Jewish people, so he would have known through his culture and context that actually these were not people who he would invite into his home. That these were not people, the uh, the folks that um, had come to his home from Cornelius, they were not people that he would go on a journey with to venture into their homes and into their land. And yet we know from the trance that he'd had this shift in his thinking, a sense of where God was prompting him to act. And so he was open to entertain that. Peter knew, didn't he, that for such a time as this, he was God's man in the right place at the right time. And I wonder if for us, we sometimes recognise that we're the right man or woman in the right place at the right time. And actually, it does take a bit of a shift, a boldness, a bravery, doesn't it? Sometimes we don't always feel it, but to actually recognise that actually God might just do something through us with our words, with our actions at that point in time. What we see as the men arrived at the house, there was this immediately crossing of cultures, wasn't there? And many of us live in places and workplaces and neighbourhoods where there is a beautiful mix just like the kingdom, of all the mix of ethnicity and background and languages and so on. And that was just the same for Peter. So what we see here is that Peter determined that he was not only God's man, but he was a good news person in that moment who needed to go and share the good news with Cornelius' household. And isn't that true of us today, that we need to be good news people in a bad news world, don't we? There is so much challenge around us. 
but I wonder how much we believe that we have the good news to share. Let us be people who know that we have that within us, that the overspill of the good news needs to go out to the people that we live and work and minister amongst, whether that's just a nugget of something or having a bigger opportunity to share more of God's big story. We know that the people around us need to hear it. I've got a friend called Mark who is um, a national evangelist for the Elim Network and brilliant guy and he often speaks of again just the mission field that is out there and talks about actually how we just need to be genuine friends with the people around us and there's a couple of phrases that Mark said which I've loved and um, have stuck with me over the last couple of years. One is that as we engage with people in our context in the places um, that we're Um, living amongst or rather people that we engage with that actually so much of what we're seeking to do equipped by God's Holy Spirit is about conversation not just conversion isn't that freeing and releasing that actually again to spot the people who are around us it's about engaging genuinely with people but one phrase that he said more recently in a meeting that I was in with him was this let's not be people that say other people's no's for them Don't say other people's no's for them. And that really caught me, that phrase. And it connects um, for me in reading this passage that actually Peter could have shut the door on Cornelius's men, couldn't he? And he could have said, do you know what? I'm not going to go to those people. Those are not my people. They're the Gentiles. I'm quite safe here in my Jewish community. Thanks very much. But actually with the revelation of God, with God expanding his heart and his vision for who those people were, I believe, too, that Peter thought, don't say other people's no's for them. He knew that they needed to hear the message, the truth of the love of God. So lastly, what happens as we venture on through our story? Well, let's have um, our last slide. We see lives transformed, don't we? I don't know about you, but it's so, it fills me with such joy when I hear of people's lives transformed by God. Doesn't it, you? It raises something up in you when you think, God, you are real, you are powerful, you are the Almighty, because you've done this and this and this. And even over the last few weeks, um, I've heard of my colleague, Rani, um, a fairly new recruit to our work at the EA. Rani was from a Hindu background and felt the call on, um, of God on her about um, two years ago. Um, that from her um, Hindu upbringing, she felt that actually through a vision and through a dream, that actually she herself felt that she'd had an encounter with Jesus, but didn't really know much about him. And she was telling me only the other day about how it took her 10 months to actually find a church during a weekday that was actually open. Isn't that a challenge to us? both in this church and nationally, you know, how the importance of actually having open churches for people to come and encounter something of Jesus. Her life was transformed as she met and spoke to the people of God when she found those open places. Um, and now she's a, um, a practicing Christian, living and ministering amazingly and working with us at the EA, making Jesus known to people in the South Asian community. Manoj. Manoj is a man who's chair of our board at the EA. He comes from a South Asian background. He's a business leader, been involved in properties from um, Sri Lanka originally, I believe. And he would say as well that his story was one of transformation, of many years of people interacting with his life, encouraging him to come for dinner, having great conversations, and around dinner tables, just gently speaking of something of faith that brought him um, through many aspects of healing and his whole family coming to know Jesus. 
What we see in this story, again, is that people across cultural boundaries interact because of a shared love of God and a shared sense of wanting to go deeper. As we saw at the beginning of the story, Cornelius um, asks, doesn't he, asks for Peter to go and share something of his message. And if you recall from the story, as Peter walks in, he almost drops to his knees in reverence of this man, not because it's Peter, the human, but because he recognises he carries something of God's truth and of his word. And in that moment, God's power showed up, doesn't he? He gathers the people together and Peter reveals the truth that he carries in his heart about who God is. And at the end of the verses that we read, it said that there was transformation, there was baptism. Um, And why are we surprised that actually when we allow God to use us and speak through us, God powerfully encounters us, doesn't he? So I just wanted to encourage you as we come to a close um, that today we see many, many people in this place of transformation through my work through I'm sure as you see as well there are many people not only asking big questions having a sense of where people are who carry something of the presence of God um, and wanting to know something that would be not just revelatory but transformational um, in their lives so as we come to a close and we're going to go into um, communion in just a few moments as well after we've worshipped together. But I just want to leave you with a few questions, I guess, both for you and for me. That As we reflect on this story, we reflect on the people going from hesitance to that wholeheartedness, as is our theme for today. I wonder what that looks like for you. Are we hesitant to actually lean in and detect that small voice of what God might be saying to us? Do we need to take a moment to press pause at some time to not actually rush through life as we so often do in all its busyness, which God quite understands? But do we need to heed a prompt to say, God, what is it that you're saying to me? What is it that you have for me to do? Who is it that you want me to lean into so that they might encounter something of the power of your Holy Spirit? And sometimes we need to say sorry, don't we, for the times when we rush through life and don't always heed that knocking. But you'll know just as I know whether God is nudging you with something at the present time. Do we need to be people who don't say other people's no's for them? What does that mean for us? Are there people that actually, even today, even this week, we need to just pray, God, give me the boldness to actually share something of your truth with them? Because who knows? They might just say yes to an invitation, to come to church with you at Easter, to do something, to go to the pub, to go for a walk, to go to a cafe. And even in that moment, who knows how God might reveal something of his truth to them. So as we close, if you'll allow me, let me just pray for us that particularly maybe as we come to communion in just a few moments, where are you feeling hesitant? Where do you want to be more wholehearted? What might God be saying to you? And let's all be people who have that fresh revelation, as is our challenge this week, of actually what God might be calling out in us, but also calling us to do. Let's just take a moment to simmer and allow God to just speak if there's anything that he wants to put on our hearts this morning from what we've been looking at. Father God, we just thank you that from this story we can see so much of the truth of your character, your word, your goodness to us. Lord, I thank you that you understand our busy and our challenging lives and yet you come alongside us with grace and with peace and with mercy. Um, And yet, Lord, you do persist with us to reveal your plan to us. 
pray, Lord, that we might be people who have hearts and minds that are open to your nudging, open to your call for ourselves, Lord, because we know that where you have a plan for us, it is a plan for good and to prosper us. So, Lord, be speaking to us, we pray. And, Lord, if there are people in our lives that you would have us befriend, journey alongside or minister to for the sake of them seeing something of your truth and your light in their lives, then we pray, Lord, would you help us to not say no on their behalf, but would you help us to see who they are and to be open to sharing something of your truth with them. So, Lord, in all that we've um, spoken about and all that we've read this morning, we do pray Just as the song that we're going to sing now, Jesus, have it all, we just bring ourselves to you, Lord, and ask that you would go ahead of us into this day and this week. And Lord, we just pray that we might all just have a fresh revelation of who you are. Would you lead us from hesitance to being wholeheartedly sold out for you and making you known, Jesus, in the days to come. In your name. Amen.